morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started because we have a lot to cover today um, in this class. So, welcome. Uh, just in a second, we'll say a prayer. Just in a second. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Psst, family's over here. <laughs> Sorry, shouldn't call out my. <clears throat> All right, let's um, let's open with prayer. Father, just uh, so grateful for those who have come before us in faith, uh, and who uh, carried your word to the best of their abilities uh, and handed it to us, God. Uh, Father, uh, we pray that we don't put our trust in them, uh, although they did their best and they they loved you, Lord. Um, we pray that we always put our trust in you. And Father, today I'm especially grateful for the, uh, the beautiful faith expressed by the women of this church uh, in the unique way that you have made and shaped uh, women and the way that they express their love uh, for the body and, and for you, Father, in their unique God-given way, Father. Just grateful for that. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, welcome. Um, the tradition of the week is tipping. Uniquely American thing. The foreigners love it when you go visit their country and don't know that you don't tip because they just get extra money. Um, and I, this whole class could be on tipping, but I will not do that. Um, who here is more comfortable? Who grew up in the 10% tipping era? Yeah, exactly. My mom. Who grew up in the 15% tipping area? That, that's me. Okay. So we struggle with 20. And by the way, it's, uh, it's going up. Hey, here's the recommended tip. 18, 20, 25. 30, 35, 40. Do I hear 50? I yesterday that had one of the options was 50%. 50% tip. Yeah. So I've just given up. I just tip. I just go ahead and tip, you know, whatever. And I, I've tried to get over my grumpiness. My big beef is it's the, the restaurant is the only industry where you get a volume penalty. If I bring 20 of my friends for a lunch, we're going to get a built-in tip. We don't get to choose uh, for the penalty of giving them like enormous amounts of food business for lunch. We pay, you pay, so I, just don't get me started. But, and then, of course, the tip jars at the place where you stood in line, talked to a counter, got a styrofoam cup, cleared your own table and tray, and left. And hey, would you tip me? So see, I'm old because I grew up in so I'm at a table and someone brought me my food and they filled up my drink cup. So enough. Just don't tip when you go to foreign countries. You're just throwing money away. Any tipping stories? No, we don't have time. <laughs> so you guys may, if you weren't here last week or you didn't get it from my prayer, uh, last week I said we're going to talk about prayer and gender. Um, probably the toughest class I've had to prepare in a long time. So I've got this like uh, boilerplate that you have to sign and accept that I said all these things today. <laughs> um, the spirit of this class, as a reminder, is to give ourselves permission to evaluate traditions because there is no time and place that we allot for that. So we don't ever have a chance to say, hey, why are we doing all these things? Unless we intentionally build a time or a class, and that's what this class is. It's, the, it's permission to look at the tradition surrounding prayer and say, you know, what do we think? And we've been doing that. I think it's been going okay. On the record, I believe that there are God-ordained roles for men and women. 
No doubt in my mind. Also no doubt in my mind that there are some man-ordained or decreed boundaries that we've kind of circled around teaching to make sure we don't get close to violating the God-ordained roles. So I think both are true, that God has ordained some roles and man has made some traditions that aren't as binding or shouldn't be as the God-ordained roles. Um, I understand that what we're going to be talking about today is controversial. If I took a position, and I'm going to, um, I of either side, I could easily offend 50% either way. So it's a no-win. And my goal is not to offend. It's just to be as honest as I think I can as a teacher on, on what I see and what I think. And an acknowledgement that this is a hard topic. It's not crystal clear. And we're going to all have a lot of different opinions. Um, so we're going to talk about the role of women in general only so that we can get to the topic of the role of women and prayer specifically. So if, if we get kind of down the rabbit hole of the role of women in general across all things, probably going to try to pull it back. But I'm going to co- cover that on my way to talking about prayer. Um, and this is not, you'll see, this is not a 45-minute exhaustive study on the topic. <laughs> in fact, we're going to blaze through some of the scriptures because I'm going to assume, for the most part, in this class, you all know the verses. We're going to review and move pretty quickly to some conclusions. So, um, And if you're not able to take notes, these slides will be um, on the website when, when the class is published. Just real quickly on unity, just briefly... Not talking about something is not unity. Avoiding conflict is not the same as unity. That's a false sense of unity. Unity is when we can talk about things and disagree and still be called brothers and sisters in Christ and still worship together, I think. Um, And then just uh, a moment of appreciation that I can teach a class like this. We have a tradition at Metal Ark where we use lay teachers. I am not an elder of the church. I am not in any official capacity in this church. I'm not a staff member. Um, I am a lay teacher. I'm just a guy. (laughs) Uh, What I say today in any way, or in any of my classes ever for all time, is not the official position of Metal Art Church of Christ or of the eldership or of the leadership or of anybody. It's 100% mine. But I appreciate that uh, we are allowed as teachers to sometimes bring up topics like this and talk about them. And um, I really do appreciate that. The goal, again, is just to be, to, to, just to think. Just to take a step back and think. We might conclude the same things or we might conclude different things. So, with that in mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some prayer scenarios in diagram form. So, a mission team is about to embark to the airport or to, on a van to go on a mission trip. And they circle up to have prayer, chain prayer. It's in the parking lot of our church on Saturday at 10. That's really specific. <laughs> You'll see why in a minute. So, traditionally, and I'm, I'm not looking for edge cases here. I'm looking for the most common scenario that you know of. Who, who prays? That guy? This guy? Or this guy? Number 12. 12 o'clock. Yeah. Mr. Big Shot. Who, who prays? Well, it's a, it's, it's a group prayer, so multiple people are going to pray. 
by, by ratio, if we're going to do it by ratio, there's six and six. Just we're just you know it's a hypothetical, but we're what's the ratio of men praying to women praying, more or less? More men, less women. Okay. Just generally, we'd say more women, men, less women. Okay. Anyone? Generally true, right? Who starts? Always. A man always starts. Who always finishes? I mean, generally, I mean, we say always, we're doing the most common, yeah. In general, a man starts, a man ends, and then it's open to anybody, correct? Would you say that's generally accurate? Okay. But women are praying here, you would, right? Women are praying in the parking lot on a Saturday uh, with a man opening and a man closing, right? Okay, let's keep going. Any thoughts on that? Disagreements? It's life group. It's in a house. It's on a Sunday, but it's in the evening. And men and women are gathered, families, whatever. Who prays? One of the guys. One of the guys. Only? Anyone have a life group currently that's... Yeah, Katie? Men and women. So probably increasingly there's a little more of that, I would say. Wouldn't you agree that there's in a home, a life group, that it's a little bit more open? When you say popcorn prayer, is there an opening and closing like in the prayer circle that I described? Or is there a man that starts it? Okay. Okay. Any other thoughts on the life group? Could be just a man. Could be all could be started by a man. If you were to guess, if you were to make up your own statistics, which I like to do, you can too. <laughs> if you were to just summarize all of our life groups and guess, what would the ratio of men praying to women praying be? 90-10, 50 50, 80 20. Okay. We're just sort of getting a feel for these things because it's, it's hard to talk about or understand otherwise. Okay, let's move on. It's Sunday morning. We're at the building. It's during the worship time, but we're in room eight where the prayer team meets. Who's been on a prayer team? The prayer team. You guys might have to answer. I mean, the one at Metal Art. You guys might need to answer this. Who prays? Everybody, Everybody prays. Uh, is, it a, is it kind of a start and stop men or women or not so much? Everybody prays. But... But not. Yeah, we, we might just we might just kind of be doing that out of just general habit. That's maybe a tradition that we, we do. Any other thoughts on the prayer team? So we're getting closer, right? We've gone from the parking lot on a Saturday to a life group on a Sunday to in the building <laughs> on a Sunday. And, and by the way, this is a man. So if a man comes, the women pray too. Just making sure. Okay. Now we're here. Who prays? 100% of the time. Right? What did you say? Men, yes. Men 100% of the time. No, no arguments, right? So, we've got these different scenarios, geography and time and place, where the rules shift a little bit. And nobody has taught us this. 
Remember the, the, the power of tradition? Nobody said, okay, you're 10, you're old enough to know. Here's the way things work. Here, here, and here, yes. There, no. Also there, no. Here, here, and here, yes. But this should happen, and the man should go first. We don't do that. We just carry it forward, and it's osmosis, and we just learn that this is the way things work. And, and really, Scripture has very little to do with that part, the way we pass things on. Any thoughts on that or questions on that? Okay, let's, let's keep going. So, I'd like to just mention that in our official areas, it's not just men, but baptized men. Yeah, ba- baptized men, but not really. I'm going to show you in a minute. Yeah. You often don't hang in with young kids, old kids. Perfect. Baptized not. In the home, yeah, that's a good point. In the home, in the family, it can be kids praying at the dinner table of any age, unbaptized, gender doesn't matter. And more what you use the word official, it's, it tends to be baptized men, Right. Generally true, but not always true. And I've got a slide on that in a minute. Thank you. So let's do the very shortest history ever of the women's rights movement. And I just picked out some examples because I think it's important. And you guys know I like history. And I think it, I think it affects us. I think it's in our culture and in our church. So what year did women get the right to vote? What? 1920, the 19th Amendment got passed. Next year will be the 100th anniversary of when... 31 years from now, in 2050, it will be the anniversary of where it's equal, that women will have had the right to vote for as many years as in America as they didn't have the right to vote. 130 years, no right to vote. So far, 99 years. And they had to like actively organize for it for 70 years years the suffragette movement took place anyone thinking we should roll that back anyone today thinking we should roll back the right to vote and would like to say it in front of other people okay so so and and where should the church have been on this topic Uh, absolutely with the women as equal members able to own property vote go to school, those kinds of things. Let's keep going. This is one of my favorite examples. This is the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. I forget her name. 1967. She's got a bib number, which meant she was official, and she registered with her initials and her last name. She's being assaulted by the race organizer who did not want a woman running in his race. He's being reverse assaulted by her boyfriend who was an all-American football player (laughs) and knocked him to the curb and she finished the race. But it was highly controversial in 1967 for a woman to run a marathon because of a lot of reasons, one of which, and you can look it up, her uterus might fall out. Okay? And 1967 is not long ago. Okay? It took five more years for the Boston Marathon to let women run officially. Now they, about 46% of the runners in the Boston Marathon are women. Um, closer to today, women do not make what men make for the same job. This is a fact. 
And we can talk about it all day long. But in modern America, you can hire two people to do the exact same job and you can pay one of them less because they're a woman. Fact. Um, yeah. I want to ask you, I grew up and probably a few of the other people grew up where women's sports, basketball, they only played a half court. Yeah. Then they had the other team playing the other half court. Yes, I remember that. Women couldn't play a whole court. Women couldn't play a whole court. Well, yeah, they couldn't play whole court basketball. They played half court. They dribbled half court. They'd pass it to another half court teammate who would take it the other way. Wimbledon and women's tennis still plays fewer sets than men. Um, so the Me Too movement, which is where women said, hey, <laughs> all this sexism and sexual assault and you know nastiness in the workplace and to get jobs is not okay. And it isn't okay. And believers should say, yeah, no woman should ever have to endure that. Ever. Because she's a treasured child of God. Equally treasured. So, here's my point. It is hard to be a woman, he said. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, thank you. I mean, and, and we, are, we are in near history. You know, for thousands of years, women have been property and all kinds of horrible things. Women are a principal way of subjecting a country through rape when armies invade. It's terrible. So, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's another example, in my opinion. This is from a Church of Christ website. Not this Church of Christ. <laughs> I understand men, can lead, men should lead prayer in public, but what about my wife and I praying together in private, at home? Man and wife, answer, it's wrong. <laughs> because you are in authority over her and she would be taking authority from you and not even you can give her authority that God hasn't given her, roughly. I'm just reading that for you. <clears throat> and by the way, this is a nutty church. It's nutty. But it's the first thing that came up when I searched for this. <laughs> so their SEO strategy is working. Um, that's an inside IT joke. Um, by the way, if you also want to know if Jesus had long hair, you can go to this website as well. And the answer is nobody can prove it. So, um, but, but, you know, we can, we can laugh at this. But this spirit, this spirit of women praying is present even outside of the nutty churches. And I'll show you why in a minute. Let's keep going. So. I missed the point. Is that, were you making a joke? Or were you saying that that is what it should be? Um, about this website? No, about what, what I just read there. I'm making a joke oh, about nutty. it. Okay, but you said, okay. But you're saying it's not true. I'm saying it's not true, but it is also present in that some women still to this day that don't go to nutty churches feel awkward and ashamed when they hear their own voices praying, even in front of their husbands. And we're going to talk about that later. Okay? Yeah, I appreciate the call out. So here are the scriptures. They fit on one slide. And we're going to cover them pretty quickly, like I said. But these are the two essential. First Timothy 2. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. 
For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one who deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So the arguments about this being a cultural verse are often set aside because it refers all the way back to creation, Adam and Eve, which is fair. I think that's a logical way to approach it. But it is in a context. It's about teaching and authority. I think those are the two key things to take away. So when it comes to teaching or authority, she must be quiet. Okay? Let's just accept it for now and we'll, we'll, we'll go on. And then 1 Corinthians 14. Women should remain silent in the churches, ecclesia or ecclesia. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Again, I emphasize ecclesia. We're going to talk about that word in a minute. These are the two passages. And I mean, I don't want to rush past this too quickly, but any... Any thoughts on what you have believed or do believe or have changed in your belief about these verses or how you take them? And we can we can do that for a while and then we, we'll have to maybe move on. But yes. I think it's important to take it in the context of what he's talking about instead of just taking scripture and putting and talking about and saying you're not allowed to speak. Okay. Because if I, if I read it just like that, that would mean I could never, I couldn't, I should not speak at all. Sure. Yeah, so it, that's important. So. Can you help us with the context? I mean, I can as well, but it's it's about this is about teaching. Right. Yeah. But I think um, in the second one, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, um, there were women back in the time when it was written where they were just talking with one another while the service was going on, um, and they were making a lot of noise, or they were just disruptive in, in a certain way, and that's this is the response to that. Right. The, that may be true. It's not clear from Scripture that there were women disrupting the service in those ways. But as people have tried to understand that verse, that is certainly one theory that they've come up with. And, and, any other thoughts on... That's a great point, though. The context is very important. And we do take... We, look, we're all, we are all trying to follow God as best we can. Our forefathers were and mothers. We are, and we're also getting it wrong. At the same time, we're trying our best. And they were too. And so, um, why, where was it going with that? So, you know, it, it's not that when these things are maybe construed or turned into a, a law or a tradition or a boundary, someone's doing it wrong. I think they're trying to love God when, when they did that. I mean, yes. If I was to read that last paragraph, I wouldn't be speaking right now. You wouldn't be speaking if you were in the church. Right. We're going, to, we're going to really cover that in just a minute. Okay. Justin, did you have a thought? And then Chuck? Well, chapter 11 talks about women praying and prophesying and covering It does. It is. And we're going to cover that in just a minute. I appreciate that. Right, so that's a great point. These are two verses. We're going to look at some other verses too. Because that, that's what we do sometimes. We'll take, we'll take a verse... And just torture it to death. <laughs> and we'll lose context. And we'll lose the bigger picture. And we'll lose the bigger picture of not just that chapter and verse and book, but other verses in the New Testament, putting them all together. And we'll draw simple conclusions, I think, sometimes. And I'm, I'm prone to it, too. I, that's what I was trying to say is, I think we all do it. And we just have to sometimes be willing to say, mm, maybe I had that wrong. 
Did someone else check it? Yeah, check. So I don't know if you're going there, but when when these were written, there was no New Testament. No New Testament when they're written. And what's the point? It was written before our, I, you know, I don't know how to say it, before we developed into the church. Right. Really. Well, they, they, I mean, they were meeting as a church in first in Corinth. They didn't have the whole book. I mean, the whole... Right, but they had this. They had that. What would they have done with this? Yeah, I know, but it, all the other things. Yeah. And specifically to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Heather. Well, and also, I mean, for for the Jewish members that had converted over to Christianity, they didn't teach women in matters of religion. It was men that learned that. And earlier in Timothy in chapter 1, it says that certain persons, by swerving from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, wandered into vain discussion, wanting to be teachers without knowing what they're talking about. Right. And so that goes back to some of what we talked about earlier in the class about what is the motivation? Right. You know, is the motivation to be relational or is it to talk in front of other people? And, and I think that, you know, Certainly, especially, I mean, considering women being oppressed at that time, you know, like, why wouldn't you want to feel important and have that ability, you know? Um, but that's not the right motivation. Right. I think that with that context, this is not, you know, necessarily what they were, they, they were saying, you know, you need to let the people that know what they're talking about go up front and teach. Could, could be. Could be yeah. Could be. Yeah. Yes. Sure. It says they're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. So they're not in submission if they're not speaking. So they, they weren't in submission, which is, I think, what his point was. Yeah, I think you're right. I think submission is a key word there that I didn't didn't highlight, but is certainly very important. We're going to look at that word in just a minute. And I, 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 I know that we're racing through this. And you know, like I said, if, this is a topic that people should study deeply, more deeply than I'm doing here. I'm just trying to hit the tops of the trees on things we generally already know and accept and then sort of say, you know, where my thinking is on some of it today. So let's let me show you this. Remember the problem with being me is I'm always too specific, like putting up slides like this. So those verses cause this. I've made a matrix of roles and (laughs) genders uh, and color coded them for your. So. So, so th- this is just, and this list could go on and on, but I, I tried to make it, it only fit on the slide barely. Elder, deacon, preacher, women, men yes, women no. Ministry leader, either. If we call them a ministry leader, we can do it. They can lead a ministry, but not if we call them a deacon. This is specific to this church. I'm, I'm just looking around at Metal Ark, so it's really specific. Does that make sense now? Yeah. Right. That's a good point. I should have clarified that. So the asterisks on the no's are, you know, unless the no's are if they're like leading only women in singing, etc. So song leader, no, in a collective worship. Um, Can they have the minister title? Can they be the children's minister? Yes. Am I wrong about that? Okay. But in a lot of churches, there'll be a children's minister who's an often, so maybe this isn't this church, an unpaid woman, sometimes, sometimes paid, but 
But a lot of times, paid minister, yes, for men. Paid minister, no, for women. Generally true. The exception is intern. When we hire interns for the summer, men or women, paid, but they can't get promoted to paid minister currently. And I, I'm again, I, I realize this is really uncomfortable. I'm not... But, the, I mean, this is the, isn't this the mirror? I mean, I'm just... I'm not taking a stand on these. I'm just saying those verses led us to this. Uh, those are times when women are just with other women or with children. Then th- those answers flip to yes. Okay? Is that, was that your, Yeah. You can teach a Bible class. And th- it has been a teaching. It has been an occasional uh, personal philosophy of some people at this church that when a boy got baptized at any age, a woman would stop teaching him. And they would transfer. This has happened at Metal Ark. Maybe not currently, but it's happened since I've been here. Scripture reader in the Sunday assembly, yes, no. Public prayer in the assembly, yes, no. Uh, prayer team, roommate, okay. Chair pray- you know, I'm just putting this in. This is tongue-in-cheek. Chain prayer starter. That's not an official role. I'm just referring back to the thing. Yes, generally no. Lord's Supper thoughts, yes, no. Passing the trays, yes for men, no for women. Making announcements from the pulpit about their own ministry, no for women. Asking for prayers publicly in their own voice from the microphone, no for women. They can write a letter and have it read, but a man can go up and give an impassioned request for prayers or forgiveness but a woman can't by practice. Planning out VBS and camp, yes and yes. Leading VBS and camp as like the director, yes and no. Right? Yes. So you just said from the microphone. So, That's, if, so if, there's a, if the person in the front is asking for a prayer request, and there's a woman in the congregation, but not at the microphone, asking out loud for a prayer, you're saying... So yeah, that's a really you're I'm you're that's a really good question again. I'm imagining those rare times when someone feels so strongly and so moved by something happening in their life that they come forward to the front pew and ask for prayers. We have had multiple occasions in our church over the decades of men wanting to read their own letter in their own voice to ask for those prayers. I I it's I, you know Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying if any of this is okay or not. I'm saying this is this is what is currently in practice. So, does that make sense? Did I answer your question? Yes. I'm not taking a stand. I am kind of in some of my tongue-in-cheek stuff, but yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Well, this is all covered in the new members' training, so. <laughs> so, so, um, so on Wednesday, where there's an informal Bible study, and somebody, and the leader of the the Bible study asks, "Does somebody want to have any prayer requests?" What are you saying that women can't just from the congregation in the seats? You know, no, I'm I'm not I'm not saying can or can't to anything. Oh. I'm I'm specifically thinking about our Sunday morning assembly primarily. Okay, primarily. Good questions. This is, this, is the, this is how we have taken those verses and built our understanding of them in practice. Yeah. And like I said... Without ever saying this is our policy. 
Yeah, this is not our policy. This is just, I'm not saying I love all these or hate all these. I'm just saying, this is probably, I, yeah, I thought this would be tough. But okay, Does everyone understand it now? I think this is true generally. Anyone want to pick apart something that's totally okay? If it's been unfair or cynical or is it generally accurately true of what we practice generally, directionally? Yes, Carla? There's there's a director there's a director at camp who's always a male. Am I wrong about that? On the stage, leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm just I'm saying, our theology and our traditions wrapped around theology have actual consequences, not negative consequences. Just we put them into practice, and that's what they look like. And again, it's really awkward to say. It's like when I look at myself in a mirror. I don't like it either. Um, but let's let's pivot really quickly to these verses. So, again, we're gonna we're gonna race a little bit like the wind. In Acts one, the apostles are together. It's after you know Jesus has left the earth and ascended, and they're all together, and they're joined together constantly in prayer with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. It certainly implies that they're all in prayer. Doesn't it? Implies it at least? They, they seem to be together praying, including the women. I mean, you stop me, throw a flag. Um, in Acts 21, we find Philip, who was one of the seven chosen to serve uh, the church in Jerusalem, one of the men filled with the Spirit, who has four daughters who prophesied. So they were able... Probably in the church, that's where prophecy would have been most common. Is not on the street, but in the ecclesia. So we have daughters prophesying. Just bless the man who has four daughters. I mean, and and who are prophets, you know, prophets. That's probably a lot. Um, and then back to Justin. I think this is your verse you were referring to. I believe in First Corinthians, same chapter. You know, it's talking about head of. Every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. The same as having her head shaved. And, um, you know, we, I, I always come across verses and say we get so wrapped up in head coverings, and we miss that men and women are both praying and prophesying. Uh, you know, like, what's the head covering thing? Uh, okay, for, oh, over here. Forget the, forget the head covering. You mean to tell me that both men and women were praying and prophesying in the same book and chapter? Is it the same chapter, Justin? 11? No, it's close. Three chapters, right? 14. So we've got to reconcile those, I think, don't we? You know, so maybe praying and prophesying are different than the ways they've been told to be silent in other ways, which is about teaching and authority. Maybe. Have you guys, anyone studied this deeply before and want to just give us a 30 second summary? Heather has? Not. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just kind of like pairing up or deconstructing the words. But so to me, with it starting out saying that the head of every man is Christ, and any man who covers his head while he's praying and prophesying is like not putting Christ first. Right. Yeah. 
Right. There, there is, there's a really beautiful spirit of submission here. Yeah. Man to God, woman to man, or wife to husband, maybe. Right. Um, that, that's really the point of the verse is this, this, this authority and submission and that we should be okay with that. We're going to talk about that also in a minute. Um, let's keep going. So then there's this verse in Galatians 3 and that says, you know, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and you're all heirs. Now, I personally don't think this verse dismantles gender because there are plenty of other passages, again, taking all the context that say, here's what men should do, here's what women should do, here's how husbands should be, here's how wives should be, here's how masters should be, here's how slaves should be. So it's not the dismantling of those obvious things like gender. It's saying that there is some level of spiritual equality in Christ, some level. Not 100%, because the, the, except for the things that have been specifically set aside. And again, those don't make us unequal. Those make us serving in different roles. And that's really important. An elder is not more important than not an elder. Uh, a female is not less important than a male in the church. It doesn't matter title, role. We, we're all part of one body. We all work together. There's this idea of spiritual unity and equality. I mean, this is a beautiful verse about the social equality that we're talking about is that we don't believe there's a difference in, in those things. And then, you know, honestly, one of the most abused verses in all of my awareness is that wives have to submit to husbands. Not true. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, I, yeah, that's going to be the only thing that, you know, makes it out of here. I made this huge because there's this verse. The first verse says, everyone submit to everyone out of reverence for Christ. Submission to each other is a godly virtue that I expect from you. And then he says, for example, here's some examples. Wives that are to submit to their husbands. It doesn't say the word submit, but if you read the next section and don't get that husbands are to submit to their wives to the point of dying for them, you're really being too literal. This banner covers all of these. Fathers submit to their children in the sense that they don't exasperate them. Um, father, uh, slaves to masters, masters to slaves. You know, so these are just working examples of a principle which is to be threaded throughout every member of God's body, Christ's body. Submission to one another. And yeah, there are some times where you know, it says God is head of the man of Jesus Christ, Christ head of the man. But, you know, let's not going around saying, member, submit to me because I want to go to Arby's and not to Taco Bell. You know, that, you know it's, it's ridiculous, but we know it's happened. So the spirit that we're all supposed to be in mutual submission, I think, is very rich in that verse. So we come to all of that with all these questions. What is, which of these verses are for husband and wife versus men and women? Um, oh, I forgot. I forgot the most important thing. I'm just going to not forget Back to this. I hate to do this. So what if we added another column and it was 10-year-old boy? Oh, right? The uncomfortableness just like creeping up in you when I said that? If we put 10-year-old boy, baptized or not, on a column there, they could do more in our assembly than 
a 70-year-old woman. Right? Which makes me wonder if we've confused man and woman with just gender. You know, X and Y chromosome. You're in. It's just ironic. I'm not trying to... I just really wanted to say that and I forgot because it's, I think we need to think about that. I think we need to think about what we're saying. Not that we should encourage young men to learn, but what we're saying to women. Christy, what are we saying to women? Right. That is a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a great point. First of all, why are we so easily think we're losing something when someone else serves? I, I really love your point about serving versus leadership, and we're going to talk about that in minutes. It, I think it's crucial to our understanding of these passages. We are probably going to go five minutes late. If you need to leave... Um, because you're offended, but need to act like you're going to get your children. It's totally. Now, now is the time. So I also think we need to think about what is church. Because we either, and I'll talk about this in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. We need to think about what is cultural versus eternal. And that's hard. We don't always know. We have to make decisions. We have to think about what silence means and when it's silent and submission and all these things. It's hard. I'm not, you, know, you guys know my style, except for the new members. Um, um, you know, just because I'm tr- trying to keep it light doesn't mean I don't think these things are intensely serious. It's just my style, and I, I apologize if it's not the best fit at all times. But these are really hard, and I'm not minimizing that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thumbs up from the, new, the newbies. So, so one of my questions is we, we really have to be clear on what, where, and when is ecclesia happening. Because I think we've oversimplified it. And I'll, I'll tell you why in just a minute. So, you know, is Ecclesia happening? This is a Google satellite view of our church. You know, is, is this Ecclesia, Sunday morning, 10 a.m.? Ecclesia. And when we meet in homes together for whatever reason, life group, whatever, that isn't Ecclesia. And, and I just chose youth retreat because that was the, you know, when we go on a college retreat or a youth retreat or women's retreat or men's retreat or any time that we gather spiritually to encourage worship study, is it ecclesia? And I'm going to answer that um, in just a minute because I, I, think, it's, I think it's pretty cr- crucial. Because, and I keep jumping ahead. So in my opinion, in my study, ecclesia or ecclesia is never really used as an intersection of day, place, and time. It's just when believers get together, period. And a lot of the examples are not Sunday morning worship when you find ecclesia. It's, and then the church gathered because Paul was in town. Or they gathered on the beach with Paul to pray. Or um, when Paul was in prison, the church, the ecclesia was together praying in a home at night. So a couple of examples. Um, uh, they, gathered, they gathered the ecclesia together. So, hey, you know, when we all get together, we're ecclesia. Does that make sense? Am I wrong on that? Someone, Jeff, anyone, Brad, anyone? You guys have the credentials. Steve? I think it's broader than that. Even if we're not together, we're 
F- fair enough. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. There's a worldwide ecclesia right now, where even if we're not together, there is kind of a contextual meaning, though. I think Steve was like, and then they were like really ecclesia, you know, like, or, or you know, or or they were, you know, it, there's definitely a gathering idea of believers coming together for spiritual purposes, ecclesia, and that's crucial because, and then this one. Um, you know, when you come together as an ecclesia, so when you it's almost a verb when you ecclesia, kind of a thing. And I'm probably I'm glad Jim Whitfield Jim Whitfield would be crawling, but yeah, I would throw out that the word ecclesia was around long before the church. Yeah. So the synagogue was gathering. Ecclesia. Yeah, place of prayer gathering, but it isn't a time and place, and that's really crucial, I think, um, because if we come to a different definition of um, ecclesia, then you do have to be silent in this class if this is ecclesia. And if you take that verse that way, and in your life group, and in all kinds of places where there are uh, men present, but I don't think that's the case. So, question, when or where does a woman who's been a missionary, or an AIM student, or whatever, time and place give her update to the church? You know it, yep. Video recording. <laughs> Video recording. There's a hologram. <laughs> yeah. Hologram. Someone said it. There, there, there really is. We're standing in the place in the fellowship hall. There, that is not a mistake, in my opinion, because the auditorium on Sunday we think is ecclesia, and we think Wednesday at seven in the fellowship hall is not ecclesia. We don't think it, but we act like it. So that's the answer. Is so we kind of do this. 10 a.m. Ecclesia. I, I, I know. I, I apologize. But it's kind of, isn't it? Do you see what I'm trying to say, though? Yeah, not Ecclesia. I mean, not Ecclesia. Everything's okay. 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 Not okay. Which we need to stop and think about. We need to rethink what Ecclesia is and when we're together and not make it the Holy of Holies on Sunday. I think that's that temple has been torn down. And we are a royal priesthood and when we come together. So my point on that is we, I think we really need to think about how we gather. And then my most cynical slide is, do you think it comes down to our language choice when we start talking about prayer? We say, would you lead a prayer for us? And then so we say, well, use the word lead, therefore it's leadership. You know, kind of. And I don't mean to, you know, we could also say, can you say a prayer for us? Would you mind sharing your thoughts in prayer with us. We could say all these things. But the real question is, is prayer a moment of authority? Are we giving authority to the prayer and saying, you're the boss of me, kind of? Like it might be in teaching. You could make, If you're teaching God's word like I am right now, I have a lot of authority. Not because of my position, but because I am controlling essentially the conversation and what I want to do with God's word. And is... Leading a prayer, authority. I'm, I'm going to... So, if it is, we give it to three-year-olds at the dinner table. And again, I apologize for the way that sounds, but when we are teaching three-year-olds to pray, we never once think, okay, I'm giving you the authority to pray for our family. And remember, the guy from the church website said, we can't do that even with our wives. Does that, does that make sense? It, it doesn't. It doesn't match in my mind that prayer is this moment of authority. It is a. It is a sharing moment. It is a together moment. It is a unity moment. It's a lot of moments, but I don't think it's someone 
being the boss of everyone who's listening. Christy? Sure, I'm, I'm, I'm submitting to, yeah, and, and you're submitting to me, and you can pray, and I can pray, and we're not, you know, we're not doing that thing you said earlier where we feel like we're losing something, you know, where we're being, something's taken from us. Instead, we're being enriched because we get to hear someone else's spiritual thoughts and feelings and, and things like that. So, um, I'm going to, well, so just real quickly, not too long ago, I was sitting at a table with a young woman and she was saying when she got to college, a friend of hers asked her to go to coffee and she said, her friend said, let's pray together. And this woman who is young, mind you, this is a current, you know, maybe middle 20s person said she just locked up in fear because she didn't know how to pray with anybody else because she had been accidentally taught that it was wrong, accidentally taught. And she didn't know how to even pray with a friend across from her in a coffee shop, a female friend. And so I took that story and I went and asked a few other women, a a handful. And these women are core members of this church. They are not new Christians. Uh, They are mature women. And they almost to a person said they still feel a little uncomfortable praying in front of their husbands, most of them. And... My point about telling you those stories is I believe those are, and I'll I'll talk about those are unintended consequences of making it seem shameful or wrong for a woman's voice to come out in prayer. It's not, nobody meant for it to happen. Nobody is a bad person. We've just accidentally oozed this into our traditions. And I'm not saying it's for every woman. I'm not saying every woman feels that way. But enough women that I trust said that. So... I'm going to skip this part. There's this. There was a Christian Chronicle article that said, just open question, what do we tell? And it was two women, what do we tell our daughters about the proper role of women in church? And there were several answers. And because of time, I'm not going to read this. Um, but, but this woman, Norita Cox of Winsville, Missouri, said from a woman's voice what I'm about to say, my opinion is on the next slide. And then we will close. I really apologize for going so late. These are my personal and personal only conclusions. And um, I can give any of you my email address or my phone number if you want to keep the conversation going. If you, have, you know, want to discuss things, I'm really open to that. But here are my conclusions. Um, I don't think we've been consistent on our understanding of ecclesia. I think we're sort of drawing legalistic lines about where it is okay and where it isn't okay. And we're focusing in on Sunday morning worship in the auditorium. I mentioned that. I've said this, I don't think that someone sharing a prayer is an act of authority or leadership. It just doesn't, it doesn't ma- pass my personal smell test, if you will, and what we put into practice with things like our children. I, I said that. I think the safety fences, those boundaries we build around things to keep ourselves from them, like the Pharisees would do, but all people do, um, about like just, you know, like passing the trays and things like that about the women's role that we just kind of expand to not get there. Um, they seem legalistic, inconsistent, and even irrational to me. Some of them, not all of them. The one on prayer does a little bit. And then finally, I think the well-meaning intentions to obey God in the past, and I do mean that. I think we are here today because of well-meaning people. 
who loved God and were in a certain time and place in their culture and came to different conclusions, led to man-made restrictions that have had the unintended consequence of causing many of our sisters in Christ to feel awkwardness or shame in hearing their own voices praying with others. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that is where I'm at today. And I really apologize for keeping you this late. And any, feel free to start trickling out. Does anyone want to have a comment or a thing to say? Or Jeff? Yeah, I, I do think one of the most important things you said is how you open the class. Um, being comfortable getting into this discussion like this. This is such an emotionally charged subject mm-hmm. that, that healthy discussion has not really been an option in a lot of circles. It, right. is, it is more mature to engage in discussion like this. Um, the one side should not presume that if somebody has a more, you know, I, I guess what we call a conservative position on this, it's not necessarily rooted in sexism at all. Right. And, and the reverse is true. If somebody, if somebody seems to have a more progressive position on this, it's not because they have an irreverence for Scripture. And, and really coming, to, coming into a conversation with one another about this, we are, whether the discussion is popcorn prayer, chain prayer, all of those diagrams, everything we just looked at was Western. Right. So we're trying, yeah. to, we're trying to read Eastern Scriptures from 2,000 right. years ago through that Western lens. And that is what's creating so much of the conflict and confusion today. And so that's why I think one of the most important things we're going to do with one another is just have patience. I agree. I appreciate that, Jeff. And that's the intention I, was, I had. And like, like, if you want to leave from here and start the revolution, I'm, I'm, not, coming, I'm not coming with you. Because, because what I want to do is just at least have a forum where we can talk about it. And I did most of the talking, but if you want to dialogue with me on this or with anyone on this or converse on it, I think we can do that, to Jeff's point. I, I'm, I'm open to doing that. And, and my, my thinking on this, by the way, has evolved. This is not where I was 15 years ago. Uh, but anyway, thank you all for your time. I'm sorry for keeping you late.